Good morning, all. Now that I'm in here, okay. So, happy Mother's Day, everyone. One and all. It's a blessing uh, to uh, have all those moms out there, you know. So, if you're alive today, thank a mom. So, so or something like that. Jesus, we just come to you this morning, uh, and we just uh, we pray for your touch this morning. Uh, for your presence to do what only it could do. And we bind the flesh, the carnal mind, the emotions, every accusation of Satan, God, and what we bring is uh, is our hearts, God, to you. And we loose your spirit, God, to do exactly what it would uh, do in this place, God, to touch every heart, Lord God. Uh, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive those things that you would say to us today. Uh, God, admit uh, that you would indeed say exactly what you want to say, God, and uh, that is precisely what we've come here for, and we just pray it in your name, Jesus, that you would be glorified in this place and do what only you can. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Go with me to Deuteronomy 8, please. So... How many of you know that God's the potter? It gets gets stuff done in your life. Fixes stuff you could never fix. That's a blessing, isn't it? Um, I was uh, thinking this week about how he, uh, uh, you know, he he doesn't take everything and deal with it all at once, because then you just kind of throw your hands up and walk away, but he he deals with things a bit at a time, um, you know, and he never treats it like it's this big, horrible thing that, you know, hey, this this is unacceptable, this must be changed immediately, you know, he just, he brings it to the surface, and you see it, and and then when you look at him, and you say, I, I can't believe that was there, you know, he's not like, yeah, me neither. You know, he never does that. So I might, but you know, uh, years and years and years ago, when I worked with Kevin, uh, I had had this uh, man in the mirror kind of moment, uh, and or uh, I was having a man in the mirror type of experience, I guess you could say. So one day I came to work and like I'm just. I'm not, I'm kind of a butthead. And, uh, and if you all know Kevin, you know, he has like, like an Irish setter. You can never tell what he's thinking by the look on his face. And so, but he just stared at me. And I could see the wheels turning. It's like, what am I, okay, I don't know that I could really disagree with him, but I don't think I should agree with him. What am I going to say here? I don't, I don't actually recall what he said, but uh, kind of left me with the impression of, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, welcome, welcome back. So, but you know, the the thing is, is um, uh, you know, God, He takes us through things, and you know, He, <laughs> gosh, I, I think back now that the older I get, the more I look back at. Uh, uh, that time that I worked with Kevin and think, man, he sure put up with a lot. 
Like I, I don't know how well I would put up with somebody as as whiny as I was. But uh, uh, here in Deuteronomy eight, um, uh, and I'll just start in verse one. Uh, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And I like that because he you know, he talks about observing the commandments so you'll live. You know, it's not so much a you know you know, you, you need to do this because this is my rule that I set. He he set this rule because it's for your good, you know, so you'll you'll live. Um, and he says, and you shall remember the way which the Lord your God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So that's an interesting thought. Um, kind of flies in the face of the popular ideas in the church that... Uh, you know that that life is a cakewalk, and if things are not going well, then you know you must have something wrong with you, or you must be you know something's wrong with your walk. God's not happy. It's like if you have a you know if you wake up with a crick in your neck rather than needing a new pillow, maybe you maybe you need to examine your life, you know, because you're stiff-necked and rebellious, and uh, and all those things. Uh, but he says that, it, that I led you all that way in the wilderness to to humble you. That's a great thing. Um, I'm going to touch on that some more as we go along, and to prove you to know what was in your heart. Uh, and it, I find it interesting that he does that because God already knows what's in your heart, but you have to know what's in there. And it's really easy to not know what's in there. Um, you know, it's like you get up in the mirror and you think, "Man, I'm a I'm a dynamite guy. Look at me." It's like, who wouldn't like me? You know, but and uh and so it is. But, you know, you as time goes on, it's like you find these things in your heart that are like I can't believe that's in there. You know, and you look at, you know, you look at David and the things in his life. It's like a uh you know, God said he was a man after his own heart. You know, and he and he he it's like you read his life and especially in comparison to Saul, it's like it's like here's what not to do. Now here's what to do. Like, you know, don't be Saul, be David, you know. Um But God still showed him that hey, actually there are some things in there. There's some things that you wouldn't think you could or would do that you could or would do. And uh um the the thing that I find is that, uh, and I've said this before, is we have an adversary who wants to take advantage of your earnest, honest desire to please God and turn it against you. And uh, I, um, I can think of few better examples than all those years ago when Alex and Jeremy were sitting on the couch watching TV. And Jeremy leans over to him just out of nowhere and says, Hey, Alex, you didn't win. And they weren't even playing anything. But Alex was like, what? <laughs> he said, I didn't win. You know, and I looked at Jeremy like, what the, why would you say that? Like, win what? You know, but, man, that, that example has stuck with me for years because we have an adversary that does that. 
like, you didn't win. I didn't win what? <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm sorry, were you talking to yourself? You didn't win. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, if you have really bad hearing problems like he probably did after Calvary, then you know, I suppose that you would talk to yourself out loud and not realize how loud it was. <sighs> so it's, it's okay, little buddy. Um, but but he he shows us what's there, and 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 that's the precious thing about God saying that David was a man after His own heart. Because when God showed him this loathsome thing that was in him, uh, he he humbled it down and he repented of it, and uh, which is a precious thing. Because when you know the Bible says that Saul, you know, was you know head and shoulders above all the people. You know, and I've always taken that, you know, literally he's taller than everybody else. And I suppose that that might be where that phrase comes from, because if you if you believe that if you say that you're head and shoulders above the rest, that means you're better than they are. And Saul started out small in his own eyes. And and that was the thing that Samuel came and said to him. He's like, you know, when God chose you, you were small in your own eyes. And now that you are king, you think you're the rules don't apply to you. You're better than everybody else. Um, which would have been a great time to humble down. Instead of, yeah, but I'm the king. And so uh, it's precious how God does that. So he, he shows us those things that are there. So you shall remember the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in your heart, whether you'd keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and suffered you to hunger. He fed you with manna which you knew not, neither your fathers did know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. And your raiment waxed not old on you, neither did your foot swell these forty years. And you shall consider in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord thy God chastens thee. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. So it's interesting because uh, we're all familiar with uh, the story that he's recapping here. Uh, and he's recapping it in a rather, uh, um, the word I'm looking for, uh, charitable way. You know, kind of glossing over a lot of the uh, uh, you know, seamier details of their illustrious career in the wilderness. And... Uh, but he took care of them. Like I, I, I still got you here. I brought you through, and uh, uh, you know, it's like I love how he points out that your your raiment wax not old on you, uh, because I never thought about that. I'd read that before, and I still didn't think about it. But a forty-year-old set of clothes is not going to last well. Period let alone out in the desert, in the wilderness. You know, I mean, like, you buy your kids a pair of pants and they last like a week. So, um, at least my kids, they have holes in the knees like that. So, um, so it's a precious thing because God didn't, you know, he suffered them to hunger, but he didn't, he didn't bring them to this place where there was anything actually going to happen to them. He's still taking care of them. He wasn't going to let them die of, of starvation out there like they thought he would. 
And so, uh, you know, you would think that, you know, it, it's just it's a great thing that God does not like you and me. You know, because I, I have very little patience for complainers, even though I've been one. So I suppose that would be some hypocrisy there. But, um, uh, you know, I you you read about how they complained through, through the wilderness experience, and, and you just think, it's no wonder he God said, you know, it's like, get out of the way, Moses. <laughs> I'm done with them, and I'm going to start over again. But he took care of them all that time, and uh, you know, and, and he said that you know I've, I've chastened you, um, just like somebody would chasten their son, you know, which is a grand thing because nobody likes that, you know, especially you know when your kids are perfect like mine, and and you have to get onto them about something. I mean, I, I never have to get onto Jeremy about anything, but I had to get onto him about something the other day, and I just kind of watched him walk away. To go sit in timeout with his head down, and I just thought, oh. it's like I don't like that. <laughs> it's like, man, that's no good, you know. Which you know is, is how correction should be, but but. Uh, um, so in verse seven, he says that the Lord your God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley. Vines, and fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land wherein you shall eat bread without scarceness. You shall not lack anything in it, whose stones are iron that you may dig, uh, out of whose hills you may dig grass. And when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. You ever have those days where you just kind of think about all those things that he gave you? And, and you're just enjoying the blessings of God and thinking, man, how did I get here? And, uh, you know, yesterday, um, I was, uh, I was sitting out on my front porch and, uh, drinking some tea and reading the word. The little neighborhood kid was getting ready to come over to mow my yard. And I was just thinking, man, life is so good. It's such a beautiful day out. And it's like, in this, you know, this, this wonderful place that God's put me, it's like, man, I really feel blessed. And, and so you see these things that, you know, the way he describes this land sounds like a really nice place. And uh, I suppose if you were in the desert, just about anything would sound grand. But uh, Mike and I just hired a guy that moved here from Arizona. And he's kind of looking around at everything, trying to get used to things that are green. And he's a little nervous about wintertime. We're like, it'll be fine. But... Uh, um, so he's got this, you know, he doesn't have this end in mind that's destruction. You know, because you would think it's like, you know, because we have a tendency to focus down on the, the, the trek through the wilderness and 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 how horrible it is and, and and how my flesh wants to scream and cry and whine and and uh but he says that I'm bringing you to this good land. I'm bringing you to this 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 great thing. Um, and so you know when you when you have uh, a goal in mind, or then the it's not the the cost to get there is not so painful. So um, 
doing something really difficult and you don't see any value in it, that, you know, it's like, like when your parents make you take out the trash. It's like, like, I see no value in this, you know. But, you know, you get older, it's like, yeah. You know, I, I knew a young man once who, uh, his parents wanted him to, uh, uh, move some stuff around on, on the Sabbath day. Clever child. He's like, you know, this smacks of work. It didn't work, but it was a really good play. You know, and then it must run in the family because then uh, I had my son doing something. And he also said, this seems an awful lot like work, Dad. <laughs> like, indeed it does. And you'll be fine. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, God, he just... Uh, so he's got this this great this great place that he's taking us to this great goal in mind, and uh, and rather than focus on the the journey, I, I mean we should enjoy the journey. Don't get me wrong, but 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 focusing on the destination is a really great thing when things aren't going so hot. You know, uh, I used to commute like 85 miles one way to work. And it was funny because it's like I would be coming into West Topeka and I was thinking, oh, right, I'm almost home, like half an hour away, you know. And it was, and I drove, I was driving this van with uh, no heat in the winter, no air conditioning in the summer. It was awesome. But, you know, thinking about coming home, it was like, ah, you know, the destination, you know, makes this drive not so bad. Uh, so in... Uh, uh, so in verse 10, he says, And when you've eaten and you're full, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he's given you. Beware that you forget not the Lord your God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command you this day. Blessed when you've eaten and are full and you've built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water, and who brought forth water out of the rock of Flint, and who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you, that he might prove you to do you good at your latter end, and shall say in your heart, My power and might of my hand has gotten me all this wealth. How how could you get there, you would think? You know, because... Um, you know, he he laid out this warning, and it's exactly what happened to them. They they came into this place of of uh, peace and prosperity, obtaining the very promise of God, and then it kind of turned into their heart being lifted up and forgetting about God, and and you know, forgetting about Him from whom all blessings flow. Um, and uh, you know, and he and I love how he talks. Just briefly about this great and terrible wilderness where there's no water, but God brought you water. God brought you manna and God took care of you through all that stuff. And he reiterates um, that he did it, that he might humble you and he might prove you. And before he said that he would prove you, humble you and prove you to know if you'd keep his commandments or not. And this time he says that he would humble you and prove you to do you good at your latter end. So, So he has this goal in mind. Because there's nothing quite like um, stimulus 
and your emotions and how they act. Um, you know, it's funny because um, God will deal with an issue in your life and you'll, you'll reach this place where it's like you feel like you've got victory over this thing. And then you kind of come back around to it again. And it's like, let's, let's see how you're doing on that. And then you find out you're not doing so well. And you're all nodding because you've all have been there too. You know, uh, I, I had a week filled with aggravation and and um, you know uh, people that made me think the most um, unchristian of thoughts <laughs> and have the most unchristian of desires. You know, I, I was really grieved in spirit, which is Christian for I was really cheesed off. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, you know, but it was funny because it's like I realized that when I was talking to them, no matter how angry I was inside and how frustrated I was, I could deal with them politely and, and you know, just get through the deal. And then when I would get off the phone or get in the car, then, it's, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, okay. Uh, and uh, after a few days, you know, it's like, doest thou well to be angry? <laughs> well, no, you know. But uh, but it's interesting that sense of self-control. It's like, okay, so you could control yourself in front of them, but then as soon as you get off the phone with them, it's like, I hate that lady. I want to kill her, you know. And <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, but you know, my my point that I was talking about here earlier in bringing that up is that God shows you these things that are there that you might not be aware of. It's like, you know, how are you doing with this thing? You know, when you start, um, when you go back to school in the fall, nobody wants to think about that right now, but um, a lot of times they give you a test right off the bat. Let's see how much your brain has atrophied since since May. And... Uh, <laughs> See how much you remember, and uh, um, so I think it's a it's a precious reminder though when God brings you to those places where it's where it's like hey this here's a here's a thing let's look at this again let's revisit this issue and uh, but he he takes he's taken them through this place and there's nothing like these kinds of experiences like he's talking about to bring those things to the surface. And uh, and he doesn't bring them to the surface to rub your nose in it. He he brings it to the surface because he wants to fix it. So it's it's a really precious thing uh, because he says uh, that I fed you in the wilderness with manna in sixteen in your fathers that your fathers knew not that he might humble you and prove you to do you good at your latter end. And you shall say in your heart that my power and my might and my hand has gotten me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore unto your fathers as it is this day. And it shall be that if you do it all, forget the Lord your God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. I testify against thee this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before your face, so shall you perish, because you are not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. So, it's precious though how uh, he points out, okay, so all those... I'd just like to point out again, all those blessings that we're talking about, uh, they, they come from me, not, not from you. So anything that, you, you know, that you've done to, to uh, 
uh, and, and I'm not just talking about money, but anything that you have done that that God has really blessed in your life, um, it, it comes from Him, not from any uh, ability of your own. Uh, go with me to Second um, Corinthians 12. I was reading this with my kids yesterday. And explaining this to them. Because if, if anybody ever seemed like they had it together, it would be Paul. And, and, and he talks about that, in fact, um, in, in one of the other things. But here he's, excuse me, in, in 12 he's talking about, uh, you know, his, his vision of the third heaven and all these things. Talking about it in the third person. Uh, and, uh, in verse 7, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So it's interesting because then this is like having come into that place of, of God prospering your journey. and Because he, he had all these... You know, God hand-picked him to... Uh, uh, to be this this uh, apostle to the church, and and he and he wrote these epistles that uh, uh, were in the very you know the canon of scripture, and uh, you would think that if anybody had all of his duckies in a row would be Paul, right? And you know, and and you can see things here and there, uh, you know, like the we talked recently about uh, about how he didn't want to take Mark with them, he didn't he didn't have time for for John Mark. And uh, and that kind of thing, um, because he was he was too busy and too driven for that. But uh, you know he came around, and uh, and you know he, he told Timothy he's like, hey, bring John with you for because he's uh, he's profitable to me for the ministry. But he says that he has this this thorn in the flesh, this thing that uh, is troubling, you know, and. Uh, um, to me, uh, what it makes me think of is more like getting a splinter. You know, it's because it's hard to get a splinter out unless it's really big and really sticking out. Um, you know, Zoe got a splinter in her, the bottom of her foot recently, uh, and uh, um, she she wouldn't let us get a hold of it. It was sticking out where you could get it, and she was just too freaked out that it was going to hurt too bad. So then it turned into uh, like having to hold her foot still and like cut it a little bit to get in there and get it out with the tweezers and everything and it sounded like a horror movie, you know. It's like you'd think somebody was killing her in there. It's like Okay. Um, you know, but it's interesting because, you know, when God does want to fix something in your life, uh it's a lot easier to just let him grab it the first time and pull it out than than it is to make him have to get in there and cut on it and and peel stuff apart and find it and dig it out. Uh, but, you know, splinters are really small, typically, and they're really painful. I used to get them all the time when I worked for a living, and, uh, <laughs> you know, there's times I would stand there and I would, like, cut them out of my finger with a dirty box knife and, and uh, uh, you know, wrap it up with a piece of tape, and I'd take care of it when I got home, but, you know, so... We have a first aid kit now, just, just so you know. But uh, um, there was lots of times it just it wasn't coming out. It was way down in there. 
And uh, uh, so then you just kind of live with it for a while, and eventually it'll just kind of go away. I don't know how that works, but it. Uh, uh, but every time you bump it, it hurts. It gets infected. Your finger turns red, and uh, you know it gets about this big. It's like, oh man, now you really couldn't. Don't want to try and cut it out because it's like way down in there. Um, and th- and that's what this makes me think of when Paul said he had this thorn in the flesh. It's like something really aggravating and painful that he would really like to have out. And he says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Not really the answer he was looking for. I think the answer he was looking for was fire. Or, or even fairy dust, you know. But, uh, but God just said, "Well, my grace is sufficient for you," and and uh, and uh, and He had said that that God that this this thorn came to Him, lest He should be exalted above measure. And so it's it's precious how God does those things to to remind us that no matter how He might be working in our life, and no matter what He might be doing. That it, that it comes from him and and not from us because really our part is just to uh, to cooperate and to obey. So he says, "My grace is sufficient for thee; my strength is made perfect in weakness." And another great thing about having to rely on that grace is it gives you compassion for other people that are needing grace because there's nothing like. I don't know what it is about human nature, but when you see somebody else having a problem, it's like, aha! It's like, that's what I thought. You know? Okay, I got pulled over uh, a couple, like a month ago. I told you about that. And I was going 13 over because who drives 20 miles an hour anywhere? And uh just wasn't paying attention. And uh so yesterday... I'm, I'm driving through there as carefully as could be. I mean, the needle is sitting right on 20 miles an hour, and I'm just, I feel like I should be looking over the steering wheel like this, you know, and uh, get get my little cane. But um, this guy is just like in the other lane, and he's just flying through there. And my first reaction was, look at that guy. What a dummy. He, he ought to get pulled over. <laughs> and I thought, well, Actually, that's a really bad feeling getting pulled over and getting a ticket and all that. I I know what that feels like. It's like, hopefully he'll slow it down and not get a ticket, you know. And uh, but it's funny how human nature is like that. It's like, well, I'm doing this right, so everybody else should be doing it right. And if you're not doing it right, then well, too bad for you. Not everyone can be as good as me, you know. But that, but so having this this sense of having to rely on this this grace, this reminder that you need my grace just as much as they do, uh, is a is a really precious thing. I think it's it's a it's a blessing how God has leveled the playing field with with the cross, and because everybody comes in the same way. And, you know, there's there's no, like, VIP entrance. You know, you flash your little badge and they let you in the back in the easy way. It doesn't work that way. You know, we all come to him the same way. So he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I'll take pleasure, therefore, in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So there's an, uh, something interesting there, I think, about glorying in those things, glorying in this infirmity, glorying in this weakness, because uh, you can rejoice that you have this weakness that you need Him to uh, to get you through, or it can become like a a badge of of how you you know it's like, well, I've got this thing and. You know, it's like a it's like a disease, and, and you know, but but God loves me anyway, and, and He carries me through, and that's not at all what Paul's talking about, and it's and it, and in fact, it takes all that glory away from God because it's like then it's like you're saying, well, God can't fix this thing, so it's just there, and He just gets me through. But He's talking about here in taking pleasure in those things, as in. Um, Everything that God does in my life, I know it's because He did it, not because I did it. You know, yesterday when I was telling my kids about this, I was telling them about that time that Ron was under the tent and they brought that blind lady, and God was telling, had warned him ahead of time they're going to test you. You know, it's like, well, how is Ron supposed to open the blind eyes? He can't. Nobody can. So you need God to do that. And uh, and so when God does those things that He does then uh, you know that it's him that does it. And and so that's what Paul's talking about here, those things that uh, were you you couldn't do it or uh, that you have uh, this this thorn in the flesh perhaps that, that God reminds you that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking you to this good place. I've got this good thing in mind for you. Um, but I, I just, I'm, I'm going to prove you. I'm going to show you what's in your heart, not so that I can uh, make you feel bad about it, but so I can fix it. Uh, or or even, you know, sometimes we just, you know, it's a good reminder to have those things that it's like, wow, I really need him. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, we live in this kind of an insulated sort of life sometimes. And, you know, you just you kind of go about your days doing your thing and, you know, and, and uh, you spend time around mostly Christian people. And it's really easy to just feel like, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I can't really think of anything that I would need to have God fix, you know. And I, I've totally been there. And uh, and it's a it's a it, it hurts and it's discouraging, but it's also a blessing when God shows you actually here's something we could work on. It's like it's like telling your kids telling you I'm bored. Like oh, are you? <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. I could find all kinds of things for you to do. Um, but he's so he says that. But he says he takes pleasure in those things for Christ's sake, because then it's his glory to to, to get the stuff done, and not Paul's. So, but he says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong, because that's what God wants is somebody that He can show Himself strong in. And, uh, you know, he, uh, it's just like the story about under the tent. You know, God's invisible. He needed somebody's hands to go over there and, and lay hands on the sick. It's like God, he, he needs some hands. He needs some feet. He needs a voice. And so he has, 
He just he needs somebody with skin on, and he wants somebody that he can uh, show the world himself in. But he wants us to understand that when the world sees you or sees me in you, I just want you to remember that it's it's me they're seeing and not you. So, so it's a blessing how God does that stuff because he he knows how to fix everything that needs fixed, and if he doesn't fix it when we'd like him to fix it, then um, I'm content that uh, that that he's leaving it there because his grace is sufficient for me for now on this issue, and 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 that works for me. So, Jesus, we thank you for your word to us, uh, for your great faithfulness. God, indeed, uh, we could all testify of the things that you've taken us through. Uh, God, that we're like that, that great and terrible wilderness, God, where you have humbled us and proved us. And, um, God, and not only have you proved us in those times, but you proved yourself to us, God. And you proved your faithfulness to us and, and your greatness, God, and God, certainly that passage in Deuteronomy, you, you talked about that very thing without without drawing much attention to it. God, your faithfulness to us is a a wonderful thing. And God, today what we pray is that uh, you would uh, plant your word in our hearts. God, that you would cause it to uh, take root, that you'd cause it to grow and, and prosper in our lives. God, we just pray that every need in this place today would be met by your presence. God, and that... Uh, our sense of expectation would be you meeting with us in this place uh, to uh, to do us good and uh, and on our part, God, we want to bring that uh, offering of, of praise and glory to you that you uh, most richly deserve. God, we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.